0: Hey everybody
1: surprise It's me John Hodgman There's an extra podcast in your feed you didn't see this coming thirteen Lucky 13, we're calling it, because I happen to be in Los Angeles, and I'm sitting right now in a booth at Maximum Fun HQ with my friend and co host, Elliot Kalen. Hello, Elliot.
2: Hi, John. It's great to be here in person with you. We I got know. to do that so little during the recording of this.
1: And we're also here with our super producer, Jordan Cowling. Hi, Jordan.
3: Hi, John.
1: And, you know, I just thought that since we we're all here together, that we might just uh, take a moment and talk about what we just experienced. <laughs>
2: <laughs> really work our way through those feelings yeah. and yeah, process. Well, oh, I was thinking about
1: working our way through all twelve episodes again.
2: <laughs> oh, okay. So I guess we open. There's open a snake, with on, a a snake mosaic. on a mosaic, <laughs> and then old man Claudius <laughs> mutters for a long time now. It seems like when I came, when, when I was working
1: more frequently in Los Angeles and, and renting a car, I frequently got not only the same model of the car, but often the same car that had and it had ser- it had a satellite radio. So I tried my hand at listening to the Howard Stern Show, which I had never listened to mm-hmm. uh, meaningfully
2: before. You and, had only ever paid for his pay per view, but Bungo specials. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, I, and I, you play this guy does a radio show? Yeah.
1: <laughs> and on satellite, no less. He can swear. Uh, and one of the things I found, the many things I found f- fascinating about the Howard Stern Show, was that after the Howard Stern Show, there would immediately be another show. I think called after Howard (laughs) or after the Howard Stern show. And it would just be two guys talking about what just happened on the Howard Stern show, like doing color commentary on Stern Mm -hmm. from what just happened five minutes earlier. So this is our after show. Yeah. Yeah. Talking pod.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is Claude talk. I mean, it's uh, it's great to have the real Claude squad back together because I feel like uh, we really, we, I think, bonded as a unit, as a team. And, and then
1: we were slowly poisoned one by one. Exactly,
2: <laughs> slowly poisoned, exiled, or uh, uh, beca- and one of us became emperor of Rome. Which one? I guess we'll reveal it at the end of the show. It was Jordan.
1: Jordan, you're the emperor of Rome. Yay! No one saw that coming. Not even the not even the Sybil. I saw it coming. I
3: ah. yay. <laughs> I'm just glad that we we settled on the Claude Squad and not the semen, because that was
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a short-lived proposal.
1: <laughs> Jordan. It's been so great to get to know you over this. I, I, I don't think Elliot or I realized, first of all, uh, what an emotional slog this was going to be <laughs> for two people who already knew each other very well. <laughs> and, then, and, then to, and then to meet you starting with the very first episode and to get to know you over these weeks that we've been doing this and to get your feedback and your mom's feedback. It's just been really wonderful. And I just want to ask you, how horrible was it for you? <laughs>
3: Not at all. It's been a wonderful, a wonderful experience uh, that I I really am struggling to put into words uh, working with with Elliot and working with you, John. uh, And and giving you've given me the opportunity to bond with my mother over something that she cares a lot about. And I going into it cared nothing about. So,
1: yeah, that was really exciting. When you when we were first talking about doing this and you're like, oh, yeah, my mom's a fan. I'm like, get your mom on the phone. (laughs) <laughs> and I've, I'm so thrilled that she, I mean, she's so funny and great.
3: She's in love with you. I just have to tell you.
1: Oh, well, you know, I'm uh, I'm happily married, but um, I will divorce my wife and marry her immediately. And then I will adopt her child. <laughs> it's I'll adopt wife. you and then our, our royal families will be wed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the right move to make politically.
3: I mean, politically,
1: yeah. you know, it's like, you know. I, Good. I gotta... now,
3: now I don't have to go through all the trouble of like poisoning people with figs. Yeah, well, yeah.
2: yeah. see, <laughs> I'd spare you that. Yeah, now you can <laughs> just do that for fun.
3: Yeah, just for fun. Season. Yeah.
2: Did you? Uh, were, was it? Did you plan to never watch this series because your mom liked it so much and wanted you to watch it, or had you even heard of it?
3: I'd never heard of it before coming into uh, coming on as producer, uh, and just because of the nature of my my relationship as a as a as a as a millennial and my mom is a boomer, whatever she says she likes, I'm like, well, that, that's that got to be garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, right. yeah. But uh, I'm so glad that, that I did get a chance to watch it because it's great.
1: What are some of the other things that your mom really likes, Can you, if you can think of one that you've been pretty dismissive of?
3: So My mom isn't anything British, so she loves uh, Sense and Sensibility yeah. and Pride and Prejudice and Upstairs, Downstairs. Uh, your mom and, and my wife oof. would
2: really get along well. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. She's into she's into she's into that. And then the only like American thing that she watches a lot of is the West Wing, which she just watches and she shakes her head and she's like, We could have had this, we could have had
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've never I don't think I've ever seen more than one full episode of The West Wing. Really? Yeah. We've talked a lot about different spin-offs. Mm-hmm. Within the within the I Claudius world, the Pla- Piso and Plancina spinoff oh, would have been great. Yeah, uh, the the wacky
2: shopkeepers, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. uh, 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 Narcissus and uh, Narcissus and and, Talus. And,
1: and and right. Oh, and of course, the greatest one, T- Tiberius and the astrologer. <laughs>
2: That's right. Oh yeah, there is. <laughs> The, the, uh... And the astrologer. <laughs> and the, I can already see the opening credits where it's the same scene of like Tiberius is coming home from a rough day being emperor. And then he uh, he finds Thrasilus is there like has made him dinner or something like right. that. And he and has a horoscope for him and he just kind of throws it all away. And Thrasilus looks at the camera and is like, oh, again, <laughs> I try my best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if you were if you, Jordan, were to put us through the ringer that we put you through. And make us watch something. And I guess I put you through the ringer, too, because you had never seen the
2: show. It's, it's something that I had, been, I had been interested in seeing. But, yeah, I'd successfully put it off. So you both you a
1: have time. a claim of vengeance against me. Sure, yeah. For making you watch this thing. If, if we, we're going to get the Claude Squad back together again sometime in the future, what would you make me watch that you love? Hmm. M- movie, television series, miniseries?
3: I think I I don't know if it would be a movie or a TV series. I think I'd, I'd want us to do a podcast about the uh, that late night Time Life Pure Moods commercial. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't even
2: know what oh, we're talking Pyramids about. Pure with, with featuring the X Files theme by DJ Dido and Tubular Bells. You know more about it than <laughs> I was
3: I used, expecting you.
2: Because <laughs> I because I, I used to watch. Uh, I used to watch a lot of late night TV, but like I used to watch the midnight reruns of Mystery Science Theater on Comedy Central, and they always played the Pure Moods commercials constantly. That you ever heard? Uh, there's a song that go, called "Return to Innocence." That's on it. That goes, "Hey, hey, 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 hey. return to innocence." I think it's by Enigma. <laughs> I um. <laughs> no, okay. Now we I, have to watch this commercial. <laughs> this
1: is a this is a, a, a non visual. Medium, so I have to <laughs> not be speechless, but it's hard to. I don't know what's happening.
3: Either that or the Jock Jams commercial. Oh yeah, Medium. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I like the one that goes,
3: oh oh, 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 oh. That's my favorite. That sounds,
1: that sounds like the last one you just described.
3: <laughs> yeah, but there's
2: no, no. They're totally different. I get, I get what you're talking about. Yeah. There's, there's different songs there. They it, do sound exactly the same.
1: <laughs> it would be, you know, it would be interesting to do a show where we each show each other on YouTube or whatever commercials that we remember really well from our individual childhoods Mm -hmm. because our childhoods are fairly staggered you're a little younger than I am yeah and Jordan you're a little younger than both of us Mm -hmm. and it would be it would be interesting that that would be like I'm trying to think of like a uh like the one I, the only commercial I can think of right now is for Whalem Park, which was the, <laughs> well, I, I, the off-brand uh, amusement park in central Massachusetts.
2: I definitely didn't see that one. No, growing up.
1: Whalem Park for a whale of a time.
2: <laughs> well, that's like Whalem is a town, yeah, in Massachusetts. Yeah, right. yeah <laughs> the, the uh, like they used to have the ads. There were two amusement park ads near where I grew up. There was Bowcraft Amusement Park. They went Bowcraft Amusement Park. It all began over fifty years ago. Rides and games, straight as narrow or something like that. Now we, now
1: we know where Elliot Kalen learned to <laughs> yeah,
2: there's, it's the, clear. I was gonna say the other one which was the Westchester County Fair. You know, rides and attractions, nonstop action, shows, animals, fireworks too, about the most fun thing you can do. And the, those are the two like regional regional park ad or festival things that I grew up with where they would play it every year. Right. Know? And there must have, Jordan, there must be something. Where, where did you grow up?
3: Uh, here in Los Angeles and also in in uh, in New Jersey, southern New Jersey. Uh, but I don't really remember, like, jingles. Do you I only... remember,
2: like, did you ever see the Mount Airy Lodge commercials when you were in southern Jersey or no?
3: Oh, I don't think so. Okay, How did that go?
2: The, all you have to bring is your love of everything. Beautiful Mount Airy Lodge. And there. anyone my age growing up in New Jersey remembers that there was a couple that was in a... Hot tub shaped like either a wine glass or champagne glass. I can't remember. And as kids, we were a all coop. like, "Is that what it, is that what champagne it's called?" Champagne coupe. Oh, and then we were all like, "What is that? Must be the height of glamour." <laughs> it's pretty hot. Uh, so okay, so we'll watch regional. We'll do the regional commercials. Fuck.
3: <laughs> yeah, I feel I would I would be remiss if I didn't mention the O'Reillys because uh, I I to this day that's like one of my favorite songs. It's just the oh 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 O'Reillys auto parts. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think I think we could be onto something here. This is going to be a very
2: big, very big hit. <laughs> what I like about this idea is that what we would be watching is so much shorter than thirteen hours of television.
3: <laughs> right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's great for my short attention span, TikTok brain. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what was your choice,
1: Elliot? If you were to force force me and Jordan to watch a formative piece of culture, or read, I guess.
2: No, let's watch stuff. Reading's for losers. <laughs> Buh. Um, I don't know. Well, like this, and I think this is too close to I Claudius, probably. But like, The Prisoner is something that I haven't watched in years, but I watched the episodes of that over and over again many times. And it's yeah. another show where like, I'm like, that's a great show, but episode by episode, I'm like, eh, well, this episode's not that good, and this one doesn't really make any sense, and this one's kind of crazy. Have you yeah.
1: ever have you seen or heard of The Prisoner starring Patrick McGowan?
3: I don't know the, what those words are. <laughs> oh, <yeah, right. laughs>
1: That you gave you gave me the look that I gave you when you said "pure moods" had, <laughs> and started going ah, 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 ah together in unison, <laughs> scaring me. That's yeah. A, that, the 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 prisoner. I think it is close in in timeline. It's
2: another. It's a British show from the late sixties about a secret agent who resigns and then gets kidnapped and taken to a secretive strange island where they're trying to find out why he resigned and everyone has numbers instead of names and he's always trying to escape and every episode is kind of the same where he tries to escape and then gets D- caught doesn't escape and gets brought back and But it's he-
1: very surreal the design the costume design and the the world of the show is very s- surreal and off-kilter and off-balance
2: yeah, yeah. but i don't know well, th- we'll but find that something, but
1: like that's that's a thing your your, your first thought was you know, one of the things we talk about on Judge John Hodgman is everyone's like, "Why won't my my wife slash husband slash partner slash child just watch the thing I want them to watch?" Mm-hmm. And I have to say, because they're a whole human being and they have their own taste, you can't make someone watch something or or like something. But there are certain things where you do feel that compulsion. Like I have to, that's how I felt about ICL. like I have to I have to share this with with people whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and you started by saying the prisoner like you backed off immediately like the prisoner but i wouldn't force that on anybody
2: it's cuz it's such a uh it's a i really like it but it is also a slow show in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but it's also like i think i've I, having having children now there is a I, there is part of me that's like oh yeah that feeling i want to force my own likes on them so badly but then i yeah, start, you, i try to look that's at that's
1: your that's not only your your privilege as a parent,
2: <laughs> but your job—I guess that's true. But I don't know. It's uh, my uh, my older son is six; is was about to turn six, and uh, we were watching all the Marx Brothers movies in chronological order. Oh my god! And then we were like three or four away from finishing, and we just kind of stopped a while ago. And I'm like, oh, I'm never going to. I that was my one shot. That was my one shot, and I wasted it on the bad Marx Brothers movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but you didn't get to the very. What was the last one when they were all in there? Well, the sixties la- or eighties. The last one they were in all together was a TV special called "The Amazing Jewel Robbery" or "The Great Jewel," robbery, The incredible jewel robbery, something like that. But there, the last one there was a movie called "Love Happy" that's mostly Harpo right. and Groucho just appears in the beginning and the end as a detective, being like, "Hey, here's a crazy story," and then and it's yeah, and they all look too old. And but Harpo, when he's a young man, there's something kind of like sprightly and magical about him. And as an old man, you're like, oh, what's this? What's this? Old man has a problem. <laughs> like, like now he just seems like a crazy old man. <laughs>
3: I lied when I, when I said that the only thing that my mom watches that's Americanized is, is um, the West Wing. She is an avid uh, watcher of the Columbo series. Oh, okay. And she passed that down to me. She forced me to watch an episode with, uh, there were two rival uh, chess players and one murdered the other. And I and I watched it, uh, and I was like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." And I would love to, if I ever have children, I would love to pass that just that episode, that one episode of Columbo.
1: And it's chess master versus chess master. Yes.
2: All right. Well, as your adopted father, I feel like I should watch that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a great show, Columbo. The best thing about it is that I don't know he, that I've ever seen an episode. Oh, he's like, well, you know, you know the concept. Yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone thinks he's kind of like a slob, but he's he's got a brilliant mind. But he's actually end. a snob. Yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he rips off his soiled trench coat and he's got like he's an got a, ascot yeah. and a smoking jacket underneath.
1: I was going to say cravat. <laughs> Went to the same place. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um Jordan, so what do you feel like how how is your life different now that you've watched iClaudius? Do you feel like you have a greater a greater appreciation for poison or
3: <laughs> I have a I have a greater appreciation for um British television. Mm-hmm. Uh go it's not all the same and it can be uh. Um <laughs> kind of
1: kind of the same.
3: I I really enjoyed watching the series. Uh it was riveting. Um I really enjoyed uh listening to you guys uh talk about Piso and Plancina. Uh uh-huh.
1: Everyone's favorite characters. That was an,
3: that was an episode my mom told me to be on the lookout for the these uh this Piso and Plancina.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cuz when they hit the screen, it's riveting.
2: <laughs> it's dynamite. You can't take your eyes off them. I I like the uh imagine that when you were a kid. She would be sending me off, you off to school, and she's like, "Just let me tell you, if you run into this plane Zeta, you just keep walking. You don't, you don't get mixed up in any of their shenanigans. They, yeah. they are trouble."
3: A Sybil pulled me off the school <laughs>
1: <laughs> So we, when we recorded the first five episodes, Jordan, you, we, we were talking to you sort of in real time, but then because of scheduling, the last five or so, uh, Elliot and I just sort of did it, did it on our own. Sure. And some of those episodes were pretty intense. Yes. Uh did you have any p- particular reactions that you remember from the Caligula sequence or the the Nero sequence or the the you know when things start getting really dark and strange?
3: I was going to say that the 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 series went to some really dark places. It kind of it started dark, but uh it was a little bit of a bummer uh just kind of juxtaposed against uh the reality of of today's Yeah. Politics. Yeah. Why, what do you
1: mean? Was there some uh, parallels that you could draw? <laughs> some similarities? I don't think so. It's ancient Rome, after all.
3: So, um, yeah, it was a little hard toward the the end. I mean, the Caligula uh, arc is really, you know, he's chewing scenery and it's really fun. And and he's, for me, definitely filling the void left by by Livia and by Augustus, who I who I ended up missing more than I than I than I realized they yeah. would. Um, yeah, it it went to some some dark places and it was kind of a uh, sad for me to just t- to know that, you know, the good guys. Oh, the good guys don't win. Oh, that's yeah. the world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I the, big,
1: the big happy ending that they managed to ring out of this is this the Sybil telling Claudius, who has allowed himself to be poisoned that the next emperors won't be quite as bad.
2: Well, and that his and that there's a second copy of his book. Yeah, right. It's <laughs> like, that's... don't worry, Once good again... prevailed. You made a copy of your book. <laughs> I guess that's yeah. all we can hope to do Once in again, this that's all
1: Once that's again, all, that's all an author <laughs> ever cares about.
2: <laughs> the uh, He's like, I will be read. Wonderful. It is. It's true. It's like the the beginning of the show, like, Livia is doing terrible things, but there's a little bit of it that's like, oh, you're bad, Livia. Oh, stop. Like, yeah, she's come fun. On. It's yeah. fun. To,
1: it's fun to watch her do her
2: thing. And then and by it's the- It's fun to watch Augustus do his thing. He's he's a riot. And then by the end of it, it's like, yeah, there's this, like, just, like- Everyone's just so
1: sour and mean to each other <laughs>
2: yeah. and unfun and- It's like watching Arrested Development. The first three seasons, you're like, this is so fun. And then the last season, you're like, why are they all mad at each other all the time? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Agrippinilla is, is no fun. Deliciously, well, not deliciously. I mean, just like uh, 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 poisonously unfun. Yeah. Like she's a
2: poison li- li- can be li- delicious. Often that's why it's so dangerous.
1: Oh, is that why you gave me that donut earlier?
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I what's funny? I gave you the donut, but that was to cover up the taste of the poison I gave you right before the donut. <laughs> oh, that's right. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you made
1: me drink from that bottle without a skull and crossbones on. it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I told you it was called Death Cola.
1: <laughs> thought that was fun. Uh, What did you think about, Jordan, the um, parade of all of those, like having missed Livia and Augustus for a while and then they come back in that flashback?
3: Yeah, I just in watching the series, I was happy to see them because in watching the, the, the final run of episodes I just kept thinking, like, man, if Livia was alive, she could just handle this, she could just kill these people. Sure.
2: <laughs> you were like, Oh, if only, if only
3: Livia if was these alive.
2: superstars were still with us.
3: Especially not that she would have cared, but especially in the way that Claudius's uh wife treated him through the series yeah. and, and both how...
1: both Messalina and Agrippina. Yeah. There's, there's a how real... did you feel? How did you feel about the fact that most of the women in this were terrible? Oh yeah, that's a good terrible question. Terrible people are victims. Because
2: we as men, I'm sure, John, you had the same reaction I did, where I was like, "Yeah, yeah,
1: right. <laughs> this is what it's. You
2: know it." <laughs> <laughs> and I would raise my beard to the to the show and be like, "You you you said it, buddy." <laughs>
3: I mean, women. Am I right? Yeah. Am, am I? I don't know. <laughs> you can't
2: live with them because they poison you. I
3: um I think that it was definitely a sign of. The, I mean, the, the miniseries came out in ni- nineteen seventy six. Yeah. So I think it was definitely a sign of the of the the time period uh, and also of today. But um, well, I... and
1: also it was based on it was it was based on a novel that had been written in the in the thirties. Yeah. And then that novel itself was based on. A you know, a, a lot of history that was written that it's that itself set out to demonize a lot of the women in the story because it was part of the agenda of
2: that history. Yeah. Ultimately, the story goes back to being based on like kind of alley gossip. Right. Of uh, that meant to hurt.
3: I think that, you know, the uh, the most of if not all of the women were either either victims or villains uh, in the in the series. But I think that it did have something to say, even in what it what it wasn't saying about how far a woman could go in in ancient Roman history. You know, women had no power. And so, you know, you kind of have to use these different avenues to that if a man were doing these things, we would just kind of say he was a, a go-getter. We may even make him, you know, president. Emperor, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry,
1: soon to be emperor.
3: <laughs> soon to be Yeah, I emperor. mean,
1: <laughs> obviously the most erratic bad actors were arguably the men, Tiberius, Caligula.
2: And by bad actors, you mean evil people, not bad performers. Great,
1: a- great performers, yeah. but and they were all, you know, they were all bowed down to and, and made leaders. You know, they were not demonized in the least
2: so i mean i think the the ultimate lesson in a that i take from it is one people are all the same throughout history and that means they're all bad pretty much but two that you shouldn't get your history just straight from a television show and be like that's the way it was like it it bears digging into just like it bears digging into anything that you hear about to find out if it's so that's the, the ul- that's
1: the ultimate lesson? The ultimate lesson right, is- I guess we're done. Thanks. No, well, no, but I mean, we don't-, no, don't, don't... Oh, I mean, maybe it's I the mean... penultimate lesson. <laughs> <laughs> maybe
2: there's- or maybe, maybe it's oh, like... that's, a, that's it. Thanks. Maybe, maybe it's like number four or five down on the list. I don't well, know. Well, they really summed it up there.
1: <laughs> People are all the same. Don't get your history
2: from television. I mean, don't get your history from television is a good is a, is a a good lesson. Or movies, for that matter.
1: What is your other fa- most- what Aside from my Claudius, which is obviously everyone's most favorite piece of televised historical fiction, what is your other- Do you have another
2: favorite- uh, I mean, does Mad Men count can, as historical can... fiction or no? They're yeah, not... I would. I mean, that's interesting. That's an interesting because it's try. It's about a time period, and it's similar to I Claudius. It is very much about a a. It, there's a, a there's great an element guy of, a, just a great dude, a great misunderstood <laughs> no, guy. But that it, there's an element of misogyny in that, but it, that it really that it doesn't say that it that it somewhat <laughs> understands, but also still revels in. You know, that's a show that I love, but is also still problematic for different reasons you know as much as i love it did you watch mad men
3: i i did i hopped on late mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's okay yeah
2: <laughs> i don't know there's no Columbo. it's no, Columbo. <laughs> it's no, no it, i mean Columbo. he goes in there he solves a mystery in an hour he's wrapped everything up he's got one more question always classic call, but you know classic p falk
1: historical fiction that you like jordan
3: Oh, wow, that's a good question. I think one that I'm currently watching is the uh, the current season of uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, what which do you is, think?
3: So, uh, yeah, I think that aesthetically it's, it's. I'm, I'm assuming, I wasn't alive back then, but aesthetically I think that it's, it's well, pretty. Well, let me tell
1: you, as someone who turned 20 <laughs> in 1960. <laughs> Sorry, go on, aesthetically it's.
3: <laughs> aesthetically I think that it's it's it's, appears to be pretty spot on and I think it's it's uh it I think in this uh third season that it's dealing with kind of the the lead character, uh this idolized version of the sixties against like what's actually happening in the sixties and, and has been happening uh under the surface this entire time and she's just starting to kind of pay attention and, and realize that. I think that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah. I like that show a lot. hmm I haven't caught up to the whole third season, so I'm only in one episode into the third season so far. And the uh my my main takeaway from the first episode was like, Wow, they got a big budget on this show. Like look at all the dancers in that first episode. I'm trying to think of other really good, like, historical fiction miniseries. And like What
1: about Shogun?
2: Like Shogun I've never seen and I love the book Shogun. Like that's a book that that's the book where my dad was like he just like dropped it on my desk when I was a kid and was like, someday you're going to read this book and you're going to thank me. Like he was always talking about Shogun. And then I – mean, Did he that re- prophecy come he true? He didn't really say, say that. I did say, oh, that was a great book. And then he repaid the favor by finally reading The Power Broker, which I was got him as a present and he was – and was on his case to read all the time. I've never read it. The Power Broker? Good. Oh, it's, it's an amazing book. It's going to take – it's huge. It takes a lot of time to get through. But it's a, How long is it? It's about 1,100 pages long. So that's like what, a week? Uh, sure. I mean, it took me a month oh, to read it oh, when I was young of enough un- that I- A uninterrupted reading? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, it's, it, it took me a month to read it, and I was probably dedicating at least an hour and a half a day or two hours a day to just reading it and nothing it, else. But... When
1: you were reading it, was it fun?
2: Yes. Like it's a, it's a fun read, just a long read. It's a long read, and it, but it's written so vividly right. that even though they're talking about like, here's how they renovated the Central Park Zoo- you know, under Mayor LaGuardia. You're like, Oh, I wanna oh, read that so oh, bad. you're this is amazing. and it's 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 a book that is huge, but it's structured so perfectly where you're like, this Robert Moses guy, he seems like kind of an amazing guy, is doing all this stuff. Oh well this isn't so great, this is a little racist. And by the end of the book, you're like, This guy's a monster, I hate him. Like it's yeah. It takes when my dad I would watch that in real time with my dad, because he would be like yeah, I'm reading the book, and it sounds like he accomplished a lot. Like, I don't know why you're so down on him. And then I remember him calling me and being like, yeah, so I got to the part in the book where he's he's a really bad guy now. Like, uh, yeah, <laughs> now I totally get it.
1: There's something really satisfying about being with a piece of culture that's for a long time, like a big, long book. Epic, yeah. you know what I mean? Or like a big, long, heavy miniseries, you know, that you uh, – uh, yeah, I mean, what's the, what's the longest book you've ever read, Jordan?
3: There's a book that I actually just read. Um, my my aunt Gwen bought it for me when I was ten years old, and I never read it. She said, "If you read it, I'll take you to Red Lobster," and I was like, "I don't." Care. And you were like,
2: "Not good, enough. <laughs> not a good enough." <laughs> Long John Silver or nothing, and
3: so it was sitting on my mother's bookshelf for for ye- for ye- decades, and uh, it was the Lord of the Rings.
2: <laughs> oh!
3: And at the time, I remember just <clears> thinking, "That's that's nerd shit. I don't I don't want that." I mean, it
2: uh, is. It's very It is very nerdy.
3: But I, I just read it, and I I get I get it now. I get it.
1: I came to Lord of the Rings pretty late too, because it was it was long and dense and yeah. a lot of homework. Yeah. But when they when they came they said the when they started making the movie. I felt like I needed to do my homework, man. Mm-hmm. So I was. In you my... wanted
2: to be one of those guys in the theater, going like, mm, "That's not how it happens in the book." What? Where is Tom Bombadil? I know that's <laughs> the Hobbit. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's, no, that's Lord of, of the Rings. Yeah, because yeah. he, he, they, they're like, and they're like, "Why don't we just give the ring to Tom?" And he, they're like, eh, he'll forget it and lose it somewhere." That's my favorite moment in the whole books. It's so when they're like, "Yeah, that godlike being, he's just so mind. forget about him." Right. The, but uh, so you read? So you read it?
3: Mm-hmm. Was it fun? It was good. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I was gonna wait for the uh, the Audible version narrated by uh, Nicole Byer, but uh, oh. I figured I'd, I'd read it on my own. And uh, what? <laughs> I made that up. I was like, "That That's would be I'm incredible. incredible." I'm that like, "That's be. an interesting <laughs> choice. That's a good idea." <laughs> that just, it, truth is truly wi- wild. This is truly wild. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That would be great.
3: I love you, Nicole Byer. Please be my friend.
1: <laughs> what? A, what? I I think you just pitched a podcast, to yeah. Nicole Byer. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Like here I am. I'm trying to keep the Cloud Squad back together. I'm trying to come up with something that we all want to watch no, together. No, no. Jordan's
2: thinking. Second, this is this is yeah. Lose like, these two dudes. Yeah. It's
1: getting Nicole Byer to read <laughs> Lord of the Rings. That'd be amazing.
3: I think you guys should should read Lord of the Rings. Uh got it covered.
2: I mean, I read it a long time ago. I'll read it again someday, maybe.
3: I mean, narrate it, not,
2: not. Oh, narrate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the world doesn't. Need oh, that. yeah, the world doesn't need me doing no, singing, bother the songs, reading in Lord it. of the rings,
1: <laughs> and then commenting on it as she goes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Would be
2: so great. But I think what well, you're talking about—reading uh, a really long book or watching a mini-series, living like, with something for a long time, living with something for a long time and seeing it to completion—it's like it becomes. It really it feels more like living through it. Than a short term experience, but also I wonder if it's like I'm not going to get to. I'm never going to have that kind of total understanding and scope of my own life. But I have this kind of like all encompassing knowledge now of like that show or this. Like I possess it and I own it now. It
1: feels like you're. It feels like you're. You know, when you're living with something for a while, and this is something that binge watching kind of robs us of. I mean, if you if you watch all the episodes of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel or anything. You know, in, in three days, that's a kind of experience. Mm-hmm. But it's different than the experience you would have waiting for the show to come out. Yeah. I always got mad. I, I never liked the idea of dropping everything at this, all the episodes of anything at the same time. Like when Netflix started doing that, and obviously lots of people want that. Yeah. But I, I like the fact that, you know, HBO. Doesn't do that. They just release one episode a week, and you have to wait. And there's that living with it element to it that I that I enjoy. I like stretching it out. Yeah. What do you think?
3: I agree. I think the last series, the last time I watched a series like live on TV was was Lost, and yeah. I I, I miss that. The anticipation of of the cliffhanger, you know, every week, having and to
4: wait a week, having to wait a week
3: to find out, and what,
1: knowing that the answer is not going to be satisfying, knowing that <laughs> then none of it matters. I love you, Damon. I love you, Damon Lindelof.
2: Well, but that's we the with I think it's Watchmen is is more powerful. Like that's about to end as we're recording this this weekend, I think. And like that's more powerful for being released each week and having that space in between. And it feels like when I watch it, I feel like it feels like a uh, a real chapter in something, as opposed to like "Eh, I'm just gonna sit down and breeze through this. And then like even when you get to that end of an episode of something and there's a cliffhanger and you have to go to the next one, it's like it all starts to mush together in your mind. Yeah, but, and, you know, yeah. I
1: think Lost Lost was, you know, obviously the stakes were different than Watchmen. Mm-hmm. And it was it was lighter and it was, a, you know, adventure science fiction with, you know, but you felt like you lived, you felt like you knew those characters really well. And that had a piece on Plansina in it too. Do you remember when they introduced the, <laughs> on Lost, those two, <laughs> oh, those two uh, randos? Bernard
3: and, and... No, Bernard. Oh, no, not Bernard. Uh... Yeah, it was like... One of the, oh yeah, and the, the schemers, and then they died or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was that. like this yeah. young couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're
1: like, oh, we've been here the whole time. Yeah, saying, no, <laughs> yeah. you haven't.
3: So, is would would uh, Piso and Plancina be the first instance of that that kind of uh TV trope? I guess so.
1: Oh, wow. look at that. A little bit of history there. Hmm. I I was wondering. Oh no, we already established that when um, what's his name, Palace says the term politically correct. It was not. The it was first not time. the first mention yeah. of it, but it was in a in a show. Now we're talking about it, Claudius, not lost. Uh, in a in a show that resonated in ways that surprised even me, having seen it m- many times before. With this moment in history, mm-hmm. that when he said politically correct, I was like, "There is a, there is an oracle."
2: Yeah, I mean, so. and, and even more so that that part where Tiberius was like, "Oh, all the haters,
3: <laughs> all the haters, and all the losers." <laughs> Did he say that? No, he didn't. <laughs> Well, the hateration in our dance soirée. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, so look, we've lived with it. This is this is the end of our epic journey. I'm glad to be here with you here at the end of all things, Sam. That's a it's a line from Lord of the Rings. You remember that? I
2: skipped that page. <laughs> <Huh>? <laughs> You're like, "I get it, I get it, I get it." I get it. When did they throw this ring into this mountain already?
1: That was, I mean, that was a line that was a line of Lord of the Rings that really made me like feel the journey when he says, I'm glad that you're here with me at the end of all things, or whatever. Mm-hmm. like That was that was one. Okay, you two. We, we'll, we'll be right back after this break.
0: <laughs>
2: iPodius is brought to you by you, our MaxFun members. I assume you're a MaxFun member, and that if you're not, you will be about to become a MaxFun member, because it's brought to us by you, and that's you. But we're also brought to you by acorn tv acorn tv is the only company we really 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 wanted to collaborate with and work with on this or just mention because among other things they have long held a place in uh, mr john hodgman's heart and also they're the best place to go watch i claudius they have every episode it looks great i streamed it through there after i watched it the first time because i just wanted to watch it through them and that's what you get from acorn tv is i claudius right john or is there even more
1: no i i think that's it hang on let me go check out acorn.tv oh my god or whatever there's so much programming here there are mysteries there are thrillers there are comedies there are dramas acorn tv is your streaming destination for critically acclaimed series from britain australia ireland
2: and beyond they've got some of your favorite biggest stars uh you know, you're Sandra O's, you're Benedict Cumberbatch's, you're Olivia Colman's. They have a uh, documentary series called Theaterland, which is about a production uh, of Waiting for Godot starring Ian McKellen and I, Claudius' own Patrick Stewart. Those are some huge stars that you love. You could bid watch a classic series like Midsummer Murders or I, Claudius, or you could discover a new favorite. John, are there any new shows you've seen on Acorn that you are excited about watching particularly?
1: Elliot, I, I, just, I just came across one that I'm so excited to watch.
2: I don't know. You if tell me about it. What is it? I'm not sure if you're
1: familiar with this one. It's called Hidden Britain by Drone.
2: It sounds very wonderfully privacy invasive. <laughs> Hidden Britain by Drone, uh, according to the description here, which sounds amazing, uses the latest aerial filming technology to snoop on military maneuvers, swoop over billionaires' private estates, and explore ancient and abandoned villages. So all these parts of Britain that you are not supposed to see for who knows how many centuries. You just they stick a drone in there and you get to see it all all of all of Britain's hidden stuff
1: have you ever dreamed of being small and able to fly and wanting to fly through like a a, a mansion or a or a british military installation your yes, dream constantly. your dream has come true and as it narrated by tony robinson from time team of course it is i cannot <laughs> i cannot wait nor can you I'm, so don't wait no visit www.acorn.tv Or download the Acorn TV app on your favorite device and use code Podius for an extended 30-day free trial. That's acorn.tv code Podius P-O-D-I-U-S. Acorn TV, world-class TV from Britain and beyond.
4: Strange planets, curious technology, and a fantastic vision of the distant future. Featuring Martin Starr. So we're going on day 14. Shuttle still hasn't come. Aparna Nuncherla.
3: The security system provides you with emotional security. You do the rest.
4: Echo
0: Kellum. Can you disconnect me or not? Hurry Kondabolu. I'm staying. From Hitchhiker's
1: Guide to the Galaxy, Jeffrey McGiver. Could you play Cindy Lauper's girls just want to have
4: fun? It's The Outer Reach. Stories from Beyond. Now available for free at MaximumFun.org or anywhere you listen.
1: And we're back. Welcome back. Hey, I think we should check in with our producer Jordan Cowling and her mom Avis to get Avis's final thoughts on iClaudius. Shall we do that? Yes.
3: Hey! Hey! that's that's not the theme song but... <laughs> i don't know i don't know the theme song that's why we leave it to the professionals thanks again yeah, for the theme know. song uh paul f Tompkins.
1: i don't know i think avis sounded
2: great it's better than the real theme song
1: that was amazing.
2: I, I admire the confidence of everyone, anyone who's like, "I'll do the theme song. I don't know how it goes. I'll just do it, then did I'll make a great one. Job. I'll make a better one." She did a
1: great job. So, Elliot, uh, you know, you are our resident uh, uh, Wikipedia searcher.
2: <laughs> Seems like there might be a might be a, more, a better way to, for us to figure out the right. history of these things.
1: Uh, uh, one day, when you were not available because you live a whole life mm-hmm. just as I do, uh, I had a chance to talk to Mike Duncan author of The Storm Before the Storm, The Beginning of the End of the Roman Republic. He's a podcaster who did an incredible history of Rome called The History of Rome in podcast form. Great title. And uh, and I chatted with him about the the history behind the history. Uh, Mike, you, you probably know him from his uh, award-winning podcast, The History of Rome. It's one of the great titles for a podcast, by the way,
4: Mike. Right. If I w- if I had had a little bit more humility going into it, I would have called it A History of Rome.
1: One of one of the most popular and 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 well-received podcasts of all time. And 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 since then also New York Times best-selling author of The Storm Before the Storm, uh, A History of uh, Rome just as the Republic was falling apart, correct? Correct. And now as someone who, how how did your interest in, in ancient Rome and its history manifest?
4: It manifested for me when I was a kid. Uh, most of the ancient civilizations uh, grabbed my attention, really, all these pre-modern civilizations. So the Romans and the Greeks, the Egyptians, the Sumerians uh, in the Americas, you know, anything about the Mayans or the Inca or the Aztec uh all of these ancient civilizations really were fascinating to me. And I would read encyclopedia entries on them for fun. Yeah. And then as I when I went to school, I, I was studying political science and I was studying philosophy. And that required a lot of going back and reading the Greeks and the Romans again. And so by the time that I was coming out of university, I really rolled out of doing philosophy and into just the straight history of it. And I fell into reading Livy and Polybius and Plutarch and, you know, most of the, you know, the sources that Graves was using when he wrote I, Claudius, that's all the same stuff that I was falling in love with back in, you know, 2004, 2005, 2006, uh, that I then, that I turned into the history of Rome and he turned into I, Claudius
1: um i i just am very curious so you you've seen i claudius a number of times right uh what does it get right and what does it get very very wrong on a on a general scale
4: oh on well on a general scale one of the reasons i like i claudius so much is because it is extremely literate in the sources Mm -hmm. he was working out. graves was working out of tacitus and Suetonius and Cassius Dio, mostly like those are the three main sources for this era of the Julio Claudians. And he knew it backwards and forwards. And he has, was actually accused when, he, when it when it first came out, when the books first came out, of really just kind of cribbing Tacitus and Suetonius and turning it into uh, some paragraphs with dialogue. And he didn't actually make anything up. He was just almost copying verbatim scenes right. right from the histories into the books. And then those scenes, you can see those scenes being played out in the show, um, the stuff that is directly lifted out of Cassius Dio. So all everything that you see in the show from beginning to end is informed by, bracketed by, um, and based on true historical events, so far as we can tell, true historical characters, and... Much of the motivations and much of many of the relationships are actually being pulled directly out of what the sources are commenting about these characters and these relationships. So, this is not a case where, you know, he was inspired by the Emperor Claudius and then just wandered off to write his own story. Um, This is all based in the actual history and how it actually happened and say if you compare that to the rome miniseries that hbo did that was also based on true characters and true events but there was a lot more fictionalizing of the story there was sort of they were taking more wholesale liberties with uh both events and with motivations and with characters and and timelines and none of that is going on in i claudius it's really really rooted in the sources
1: okay well um one of the things that i'm very curious about is the show sort of begins uh, and the miniseries, I should say, begins and ends with this Sibylline prophecy that claims to predict that that Claudius will become emperor and that Claudius himself received this prophecy from Livia at their breakfast brunch. Uh, was there is there any textual documentation of such a prophecy or is this just an invention by Robert Graves?
4: No, this is uh this is an invention by Robert Graves. All right. Uh, now, this is not to say that there weren't prophecies floating around out there uh, or that sibling books weren't like a real thing, but the actual prophecy itself is not true, which has a pretty big impact, I think, on what goes on in the final episode of the series, which helps, you know, when Claudius is treating his son Britannicus quite badly, and when he allows himself to be married to Agrippina, and when he elevates Nero, uh, he justifies all this by saying that he has this prophecy in hand, and he can't do anything about it, and he has to, he can't stop it. Um, But that prophecy doesn't actually exist. So, it serves to make Claudius a, a much more sympathetic character, but it, once you remove the sibylline books because they don't, that prophecy doesn't actually exist. Uh, you're left trying to now explain why Claudius behaved those ways uh, without this magical prophecy that he was uh, felt compelled to help fulfill.
1: What if, if you can even speculate, were Claudius's non-sibylline prophecy motives for marrying Agrippina and, and elevating Nero and treating Britannicus like garbage?
4: Well, my speculate, like there is a problem where because I've seen iClaudius so much and because so many people out there have seen iClaudius so much that it actually does have a way of soaking into your brain. It's difficult to actually think about Claudius without having this uh, mental image of Derek Jacoby in your head doing all these things. So what I honestly think is going on here is that he was being manipulated Mm by now, it, 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 historians just call her Agrippina the Younger. Um, Agrippinilla okay. is what we call her, uh, is what she's called in the show to keep her separate from her mother, Agrippina. Right, right. Which, which I'm fine with. So, so she's Agrippinilla in, in the show. Um, but if I accidentally call her Agrippina, that's because that's what we call her in. I always, I always called her little Nilla. Right. Okay. Well, perfect. Right. Well, right. you have got your own pet name for her. Um. So, what was going on here? Probably. He, Claudius himself was being manipulated by mm-hmm. Agrippina and probably there was this sense that he was trying to like close up and and fuse back together the Julio-Claudian line into something uh resembling like a like a tighter funnel to the next generation that would go to Nero and would go to Britannicus um but there's a point in the histories where you're you're talking about okay he's he's married Agrippina Agrippinella and he's elevated Nero and then he comes to sort of regret that he's done this
0: mm-hmm. and
4: wishes to elevate Britannicus back up um, towards being the one true heir because Britannicus is actually Claudius's son. Nero is just his adopted son. Mm-hmm. Um, but that in the show, it is portrayed as he's, he's got this like scheme to send Britannicus off to like Scotland to lay low until Nero wrecks everything and then Britannicus can come back and restore the Republic. All of this is completely made up. Right. Um, what Claudius really wanted was for his son to succeed him as emperor. So I think the explanation for what goes on after the death of Messalina and before uh, the, before Claudius' own death is that he was in many ways manipulated into uh into doing this stuff by people who were able to manipulate him because he does kind of seem like a manipulatable guy
1: well i mean and that that is the story of his marriage to Messalina. certainly within the context of the show and the novels there is precedent for him being wildly manipulated uh and deceived and i guess i'm curious as to whether messalina uh herself in history was as adulterous and conniving and and uh and bad as she's portrayed
4: Right. and this this does get us into sort of the the grand question of, you know, okay, so was Messalina that bad? Uh, right. was Agrippina that bad? or you know, did Livia do it? um right. did did she kill like literally everybody? Um And there is, as I said at the beginning, like what it gets right is it's really literate in the historical sources. But we can't read those historical sources, Tacitus and Suetonius and um, uh, and Cassius Dio, you can't read them uncritically. There's, we don't know how much of what is reported in those histories is actually hundred percent truth,
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, because Tacitus, for example, is extraordinarily hostile to the idea of women holding power. Uh, he thinks this is. Uh, he uses the the presence of women holding power as one of the signs of the sort of fallen virtue of the Julio-Claudians as he's trying to paint the the lack of morals and the lack of virtue in the early imperial age, uh, as opposed to the earlier republican age and probably his own period under Trajan. Um, One of the things that he wants to use to prove how bad it was, was that all these women were controlling all the good men. So in Tacitus, you have this, these repeated drumbeats of, you know, evil women controlling you know, otherwise good men. Mm-hmm. So, how much of Messalina's behavior and Agrippina's behavior and Livia's behavior is true, and how much of it is just well, they were powerful and ambitious women, and Tacitus didn't like that. Tacitus was a very bitter man. He's, I mean, he's one of the greatest of the Roman historians, um, but he was also extremely hostile uh, yeah. to to many different things. Uh, one of them being women holding power. So. The the question that like everything that's portrayed in the show about Messalina has its roots in, um, in the sources. You know, the this whole business of her like getting married behind Claudius's back while Claudius went down to Ostia that comes directly out of the sources. That is not something that was made up uh, by Graves. The the uh, the sex contest <laughs> with the whore yeah. uh, uh, comes from from Juvenal. Right. That's uh, Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily history, but it does. He does uh, find that in juvenile. So those things exist and they come down to us from the histories as opposed to just something that is an invention. But, you know, how much of that is just, you know, bitter tacitus being mad that women have power. um, That is a question that we continue to have conversations about. So
1: then generally speaking, in terms of the portrayal of Claudius, uh, was Claudius? as good and innocent and decent a person as the series and the novel seem to make out or was he more ruthless than we'd like to think?
4: I think that it, it it would be hard to say that he was as good and virtuous as the show makes him out to be because the show makes him out to be a paradigm of virtue, right? right? He's, he's the good guy. Um, and I don't think that, I don't think anybody in the Julio Claudian family was just like a good guy getting mm-hmm. along. Uh, the way that Claudius is portrayed that way, I love Claudius the character. Right, um, but yeah, he's great. But I don't necessarily think that Claudius the real man was as you know was as great as he's portrayed in the show. It would be, it would be almost impossible for anybody to have been you know that good in real life, that close to power. And uh, the the idea that um, Claudius was a closet Republican is uh, an invention. Again, that's uh-huh. that's made up. There there's no bits of the histories that are like, oh, and Claudius was secretly a Republican the whole time and he dreamed of the return of the Republic.
1: Well, I'm very happy to have spoken with you, Mike, and thank you for your input. Thanks so much for taking the time and 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 filling us in on these details.
4: I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure.
2: Yeah, great. Nice talking to you. You're listening to iPodius on Maximum Fun. We'll be right back. <laughs>
4: Welcome. Thank you. No Thank These you. are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me.
2: Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this?
4: Oh. oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor and down from the ceiling? That can't be safe.
2: I'm upset. Can we go now?
0: Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. Spring! Hey, we're back. If any of you
1: have forgotten what this podcast is about, or are tuning in in the middle of this episode with no. With no warning whatsoever as to what's going on here, it's just me, John Hodgman, and Nellie Callan talking about I Claudius, the 1976 BBC miniseries.
2: All right. But I, I will say that uh, I didn't expect—I think I was saying this on the last episode—I didn't expect recording this to be as, as emotional an experience for me as it ended up being, making this series, this this Why?
1: podcast. Why was it emotional for you?
2: Why was it emotional for yeah, me? Why? It was just a podcast. Jesus. Elliot. Oh wow. Okay. I didn't mean to make myself vulnerable. Wow. This is. <laughs> oh boy.
1: Now I'm not cool anymore. Weird. Like but, uh, I thought you did podcasts all the time.
2: No. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, I do, but usually it's with these these two these two guys, goofballs, and we just talk about like Nicolas Cage or yeah,
0: something. Yeah, that's right.
1: You just that's what a podcast is. You just turn off your humanity and say what needs to be said <laughs> as glibly as possible. <laughs> that's what I did, but. Oh, you had an emotional experience. Oh no, experience. Well, I, never
2: mind. No, no, that was a goof. That was a camera No, character I, play. Did t- I did too. I did too. Well, I mean, I, you know,
1: at the, at, I'll, I'll also be vulnerable. Like, you know, you, you and I have been pals ever since the Daily Show with John Stewart.
2: Yeah, it's been a a while now.
1: And, uh, and, you know, we've we, <laughs> we had an idea. We had an idea for a podcast, Jordan. When, when my son was going to middle school, and it was across Brooklyn, and sometimes I would drive him. To school and sometimes when I or pick him up and when, sometimes when I would drive to pick him up for some reason I decided one time I would call Elliot and we had this conversation we just started talking and we were having a great conversation about like the stuff we have talk we talk about sure. you know, popular culture and things mm-hmm. and then my, then I would get to school and my son would get in the car and say goodbye Elliot hang <laughs> up
2: <laughs> <I> remember once <when, laughs> once you told me you were like oh he's giving me the wrap it up sign <laughs>
1: <That's right. laughs> I was like let's do a podcast where. We have a conversation while I drive to school to pick up my son, <laughs> and it ends every time with my son telling Elliot to, to hang up the phone. And uh, I'm sure my son would have loved that, but I, I didn't feel like I didn't feel like we could do it without ingen- rightly engendering the wrath of safe driving organizations. Yeah. <laughs> so we, you know, uh, we've been talking about we've been we've been dancing around this for a long time, and it was such a random thing. I don't even remember. How it was that we were in conversation around Max Fun Drive time when we when I forced you to make this promise with me to watch. I don't watch remember this. how the
2: subject came up. Like I don't remember how iClaudius came up as part of it or yeah, anything. Yeah, I
1: don't either. I mean I'm sure there's tape out there somewhere. <laughs> Jordan, I hate to ask you to do one last <laughs> thing.
2: Here, just we'll go dig through, through our, the archives. Go through our Twitter <laughs> to, feeds. Go, go through the archives. There, nothing much has been going on in the news or our careers, so there's not a lot of tweets that you have to dig through. So should, Wonder, it should
3: be in a can somewhere or something.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll put out.
3: You know who? You know who
1: might remember actually is Leanne, the 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 former student of Magister Magus. I don't remember how to.
3: I was saying Magister Magister
1: Magister Galenko. So it's it's. But yeah. she she was saying that she she heard us announce that we were going to do it and she was like I'm going to go get my latin teacher. Mm-hmm. That was that was like a plot from the beginning. She really livied it up. I thought <laughs> I thought she just wrote a letter when when we announced that we were you know, I thought she just wrote a letter once we started recording. Mm-hmm. But she said that she said that she had the idea when we first announced it back in last spring. Oh wow, yeah. That she was going to get her latin teacher onto this podcast and she sure did it. She, and she said she dragged him into it. <laughs> So, I don't know. Maybe she'll remember where it was originally announced. But anyway, you know, the idea of just having a chance to have a conversation with you from time to time Yeah, um, uh, spawned this. And it was such a pleasure to just chat with you about whatever. I agree. Yeah. I'm going to
2: miss it. Yeah. Well, we'll so, never speak again. Stupid, stupid, I'm smashing my phone. <laughs> I'm going to go live on a Mediterranean island somewhere oh, just by pon- myself. Oh,
1: Ponza or <laughs> what is it? Tar- tar- par... Uh,
3: P- pens- and las- I not- made that up. I, yeah. I, yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> add it in post. One. Ponza is a one. <laughs> if I could just get sentimental for, for one quick moment, I just wanted to say thank you to both of you, Elliot and John, for for uh, having uh, putting just a little bit of faith in me to get this across the finish line and for uh, bringing me into the fold and, and making me a part of the show and making my mom a part of the show. It's My mom will not stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to the gym, and every day she goes to the gym, and she tells ten new people about yes. this new podcast that she's the host That's of. That's great. Um,
2: That's why we did it. Buzz marketing.
3: It's been the. It's been one of the the biggest joys of my life to to be a producer on this well, show. I'm sorry and, to hear that.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's very nice, but. Uh... Yeah.
3: I'm just, I'm so, I'm so thrilled. I'm so excited for people to, to hear uh, the show. You guys have been doing an amazing and excellent job. You guys are so charming and just so funny. And, and, and uh, I'm just so, so grateful. Well,
1: truly, I mean, you know, the, the, there was in, initially in my mind, I was like, this is just going to be me and Elliot talking. But immediately, like, oh, we're going to need help. And, you know, not only did you help, Like not only was it impossible to do it without you, but your skills at weaving everything together and bringing the show alive, such that it's more than just the two of us talking, but having having breathing life into it, and then and then immediately letting you know we knew, well Jordan's so talented we can come up with other ideas for segments Mm -hmm. and bits and things like that, and we knew that you could execute them, and you did it perfectly, and so I mean there's a reason. You're here at
2: uh, After Claude, talking <laughs> because, because you're you're truly the other co-host. So I mean, thank you. I'm
3: a part of the Claude Squad. That's and right. A, and you, re-
2: you truly are. And a reason thank that you. we, I mean, beyond your... Thank ele- you. Yeah, thank you. And beyond your elevating it to a... To a higher level Actual than it would thing. have been. Yeah, to make it a real thing and a better thing. That, like, I don't know if we would have finished it if we, if we didn't have you working with us on it. Yeah, it's like, so. oh, yeah,
1: Jordan's <laughs> waiting for us to record another one of these things. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Jordan, if, if you don't know listeners, Jordan is here at MaximumFun.org in, in what capacity?
3: <laughs> I'm the, uh, one of the production fellows. You're one of the
1: production yes. fellows. Mm-hmm. And, what, and describe that, that, uh, that, that system.
3: So every year, uh, Maximum Fun chooses two production fellows to come in. It's someone who has uh, limited uh, podcast or radio experience to kind of get a a year's worth of training in podcasting. I had had a radio show and I was doing some podcasting prior to this, but I've learned so much. And this this has been truly, it's been like the experience of my life. I pinch myself every morning that I wake up and I get to come in and like, you know, record with Elliot Kalin and John Hodgman. Like, yeah. you know, it's amazing.
1: Oh, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I'm embarrassed by your praise, but thank you. Then, but I, you know, uh, when people think I about Maximum it. Fun, I'm, not,
2: I'm totally deserve it, and I feel totally confident in receiving it. <laughs> right. So, thank you. But people,
1: <laughs> when people think about MaximumFun.org as a network, the first thing they think of, of course, is the McElroy brothers, and then <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> then they're like, "Is that the one with the spaceship?" Yeah, that's low
1: right. There's a spaceship. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of my favorite podcasts on this thing. The Flop House with Elliot Kalin and uh, Stu- Stuart Wellington and, uh, and Dan Jim McCoy. McCoy yeah. Judge Sean Hodgman with me and Jesse Thorne. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. Um, all the great podcasts of Maximum Fun. But it's not always – it can't always be seen that Maximum Fun as an organization is, you know, working to bring new people into this industry and helping helping – Them, you know, uh, develop their skills, and the fellows program is a fantastic, uh, is a fantastic effort. And without it, we wouldn't have you. And uh, anyone within the sound of our voice who wants to give Jordan a huge job, uh, for a large paycheck, should do it. I'd be mad. I'd be mad if you couldn't produce whatever next epic uh, journey Elliot and I are going to go on. But. You're incredibly talented and uh you should uh, you should be rewarded.
3: Thank you mm-hmm. very much. Jordan Uh thank you <laughs> yeah. also to By the way, you should spell, you yeah, should you should spell, spell. that. Oh, yeah, that's, I'm just saying it like that's easy to yeah, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's John Smith. Uh J O R D A N K A U W L I N G dot com. Cowling.
1: K-A-U-W-L-I-N-G
3: dot com. And thanks to to Jesse Thorne. It's not your fault you're so so tall. Um <laughs> Thank you, Jesse.
2: Thank you, Jesse. Yeah, thank you, and to everyone here at Maximum. There's like, there's a well, there's there's a number of people working behind the scenes at Maximum <laughs> Fun. <laughs> like they, oh, am I being laid <laughs> off? <or>? <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. There's a, there's a snake coming for me over the tiles. I better I better just say goodbye
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> see anyone can sing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the end. This is the end. The golden mask of the Sybil is floating above our heads.
2: Oh, there's about to be the the pretty cool-looking but still kind of cheesy-looking uh, burning effect of the screen to send us to our final resting place, which is, of course, the past. This has been Podius, starring you, uh, Elliot Kalin, and you,
1: John Hodgman, and you, oh Jordan Kalin, super producer, plus her mom, Avis, plus Paul F. Tompkins, On the theme song, plus supervising producer uh, Laura Swisher, a production of MaximumFun.org. When you think of MaximumFun.org, don't just think of MaximumFun.org. Think of MaximumFun.org slash donate. (laughs) And for all of us here at iPodius, we'll talk more later.
4: MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture artist owned audience supported
0: spring Beedle. Do do doo doo-doo doo doo. do ba do do doo do 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 doo do 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 doo doo. do 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 shoo, shoo. ba-do-ba-do-ba-do-da-dee-da dee-da boo-da-dee-da-dee-da-dee-da da da dee doo-da